0: Good morning, good afternoon, good night, wherever you are. This is the Tailgaters Podcast, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I am your host, Kevin Borba, and joining me is Sergio De Esbrea, and we are going to be talking to you about the craziness that is happening in college football. Sergio, the college football season somehow almost over. It feels like it just started, but what really is just starting is the coaching carousel. Um, we're having coaches fly all over the country. Um, the biggest name, I'm just going to dive right into it, the biggest name to move thus far has been luke fickle from cincinnati to wisconsin now luke fickle was thought to be waiting out on two jobs one of them the ohio state job where he formerly worked as an assistant and the second one was notre dame because he has deep catholic ties and so many people thought that that was the job for him um he never really got a chance to interview for that job because he had this which i honestly respect he had this um, mindset that he wanted to finish out the special season that Cincinnati was having last year when they made it to the playoff with Desmond Ritter, Sauce Gardner, Kobe Bryant, um, all those guys that made it to the NFL. I think they had nine players make it to the NFL last year um, or at least get drafted. And so he wanted to make sure that he waited it out before he could interview for that Notre Dame job. And then Notre Dame ended up going with Marcus Freeman. So he never got it. And so in a surprising move, I would say, he took the Wisconsin job, um, a job that Paul Christ got fired from, after being one of the most successful college football coaches pretty much of my lifetime. So, Sergio, what are your thoughts on the Luke Fickle move?
1: Um, I, I am surprised. I I am surprised just like you were. I think, like you said, he is devoutly Catholic. He is a very religious man. Um, and he's got eight kids, so man is very religious, very Catholic. Um, and, yeah, I think that played a big factor. I respect the fact that he – rather than going after what is so very clearly, maybe that or Ohio State, because he went to Ohio State. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe that or Ohio State, one of his two dream jobs that people in the industry and people around the industry said that those were kind of the two places that he was really looking to go to. So I think it shows a lot of character and who who he is, not only as a coach, but as a leader of men and as a man, um, that he, was, he stayed through for Cincinnati's um, playoff run, which we all kind of expected them to lose in the semis. Um, even though they gave a fantastic performance. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me. I was surprised that he ended up taking the Wisconsin job, um, but then I kind of looked into it and the contract details. It, they're nearly doubling his salary. He was making something like $5 million at Cincy. He's making like nine nine five million at Wisconsin. And clearly Wisconsin wants to spend the money. Um, w- Wisconsin, what they're doing is they're being proactive in a way where they're really trying to make sure that they don't get they don't fall behind in the new big 10, right? We talk a lot about the new sec and the new big 12 and the new American, but we haven't really talked much about what the new big 10 is going to look like when USC and UCLA come into the fold. Um, they're probably getting rid of divisions, which good because the big 10 has the most lopsided divisions in the history of college football. It's like um, the good division. And it and it looks,
0: whatever, whatever the other side is.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And if Wisconsin's not doing so hot, it's not even worth watching. So They're they're what they're doing is they're making a play. I think at best, if they're hitting on all cylinders, if they are, they're sealing per se, I think they're ceiling in the new big 12 in the new big 10, excuse me, is probably somewhere like maybe the fourth, third best team in that conference. So I think what they're doing is kind of doubling down on their roots, right? Wisconsin is traditionally a development program. Um, They're not going to go out and get all the five stars They're not Ohio state, where they're just going to retool with the best players in the country every season. Um, but they they do a good job of of developing, and I think that um, Luke Fickle has shown at Cincinnati that he's been able to not only um, develop players, like you said, nine players drafted out of that team last season. Most of them were there for multiple seasons. Uh, you know, most of them were there not everyone's there multiple seasons, but you know what I mean, past their draft mm-hmm. eligibility, and. Yeah, I think that he's able to not only develop guys, but identify guys. He found Sauce Gardner. He found Kobe Bryant. He he found a lot of really good players. Desmond Ritter, he found Desmond Ritter and got him. And So I think it's going to fit in well with the identity of what Wisconsin wants to be and what has traditionally been. Um, And and I think it's a great move on their part. From the Cincinnati perspective, it kind of sucks, right? Because not only did... Not only they kind of were seen as this. Oh, Luke Fickle's not going to leave unless it's for Ohio State or Notre Dame. And with Notre Dame, you know, showing up and and Ohio State making a a you know good playoff run last year and stuff like that, like it was wasn't really like a big deal. You know, it was a given Luke Fickle was going to lead them into the Big Twelve era. Well, now he's not, um, and 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 it sucks because I think you know Fickle really is a good guy and would have been great for that. But I also think Fickle kind of saw the writing on the wall at Cincinnati. If you watch Cincinnati this season compared to last season, very clearly different team uh, quarterback wise. It, it, uh, I forget the guy's name, but he is not Desmond Ritter. And and so it, it's very much a he looked at the situation of, OK, I can go and I can kind of restart the situation um, here at Cincinnati. I can kind of take take, a, you know, some maybe seven and five, six and six, eight and four seasons at the first couple while I rebuild this to turn it into what it was in the American. But then the shine would kind of have come off of his name, you know, as because in college football, it's a very short minded and and no pun intended, but a fickle world. Haha, <laughs> uh, and, and I think he saw that he saw that he was going to have to do some kind of pseudo rebuild, whether it was at Cincinnati or Wisconsin. And with Wisconsin being in the Big Ten with all that money, not only to him and his salary, but, all that money to the assistance that he can bring in all the money to the NIL collective that he can use um, and and being at what's considered to be one of the big boy programs in college football in one of the power Two, because I think this is also a sign ahead of, yeah, the big 10, the big 12 is great, but um, you know, the power Two now is what we're going to be seeing once, especially once Texas Oklahoma joined the sec and once the California schools joined the big 10. So I think a lot of things came into play in this decision. Um, and yeah, I think, uh, I think, I think, uh, it was a surprise, but I think now that we've had a few days to like sit on it, I think it's a good fit and I think it makes sense. I'm excited to watch Wisconsin um, going forward now. Uh,
0: I'll say it was a surprise to me because I don't think Wisconsin's like, when you think of like college football premier programs, like Wisconsin always comes in like that tier below, but they're always... Ultra competitive. And I think having Luke Fickle can maybe get them into that, like you said, that third or fourth best team in the Big Ten. And he's honestly inheriting a really good team, a really good program. Uh, Wisconsin's defense ranks 13th in the country this year. Um, so he just needs to come in, supply the offense, and supply the players, the recruits. And I think it'll be easier for him to recruit people to Wisconsin. Um, as much as, as impressive as it was, his stint at Cincinnati. Like you said, he had to find these people. Like he had to find Desmond Ritter. Um, Sauce Gardner was overlooked by all the schools that he actually wanted to go to. And so Cincinnati gave him that chance. And so he's still going to have to find people because you're not going to out-recruit the Ohio States and Michigans of the world. You might get a couple, but it'll be easier for him to recruit there. Um, I do think he'll have more success. And honestly, I really didn't... Like I knew Luke Fickle was obviously a successful coach, but when you look at his... Um, win-loss total uh, at each year at Cincinnati his first year they went four and eight and then they go 11 wins 11 wins nine wins 13 wins nine wins again this year with a chance to win 10 and so he obviously has that caliber of coaching to where once everybody's bought in and everybody he has is there they're going to win games and like obviously his worst season at Cincinnati outside of his first year is this year and they're nine and three Um, they were just eliminated from playing in the american championship like a week ago so like he's done well and i think maybe he didn't want to lead them into the big 12 because i don't know maybe maybe the big 12 isn't as attractive with these new schools that people thought or maybe this just feels like the last time that a job that he wants will open up because if you think about it the jobs that you mentioned
1: it's it's an opportunity situation i think You know, when is he going to be able to take the step into what will become he's a forward thinker and clearly he has a vision and a plan. And I think he has a good idea as to where college football is going. And I think he's being very intelligent and making a proactive move um, when his name is still hot coming off of, you know, a season after the playoff appearance, um, still doing a really good coaching job with this team after losing so many people. They were uh, they were a one game-winning drive away from playing in the American title game, which I think is another wrinkle to throw in here, Borba. If they beat Tulane last week, is he the coach? Because I don't think he's the coach at Wisconsin if they're playing for the American championship this Saturday, especially hosting you know, a championship game.
0: That's he, tough.
1: he has shown before that he has turned down um, being considered for what was his one of his dream jobs because he was still dedicated to the team. I think he's that kind of person where I think Wisconsin fans need to be very ha- happy and need to send – uh, a whole lot of donations to the local charity uh, at Tulane because, man, thanks to Tulane, they're able to land um, someone that wasn't talked about in the cycle, but arguably is the best, one of the best coaches that was, quote unquote, available, even though we didn't know he was available. Um, and definitely big name and an excellent, excellent, ex. If it's not Lance Leopold, right? If they weren't keeping Jim Leonard then I think this is the absolute best thing that could have happened. And and my last point on this board, and I'm sorry, I just don't want to forget it. What's the one position that um, Wisconsin fans, what's the one position Wisconsin fans have never really had an elite player at to take them to the next level? Quarterback. Quarterback. Yeah. yeah. And, and and clearly
0: the, Russ? Russell
1: Wilson, who, Trans- who was a transfer, Right. So clearly he he has this ability. Like their best ever quarterback recruit was Graham Mertz. There was so much hype and then all of a sudden fell flat on his face. So I think not only can they maintain that identity of big strong linemen, run the football, like you said, their defense is already really good. It's not a defensive issue. Fickle can come in, focus on the offensive side of the ball, continue to establish and to maintain that Wisconsin identity, but also bring in a quarterback. That can give you and open the playbook up a little bit for you, and maybe kind of um, SEC eyes um, I mean, the the Wisconsin offense while still maintaining that identity. I mean, people people think you know Cincinnati it's in, it's in Ohio, but Cincinnati's basically the last the border to the south. You know, Kentucky's right there. Um, you can still recruit down there, so he's got a lot of ties in the south kind of area to get those skill position players up there. I'm very excited. I think it's going to be a, I think it's a great hire. Please continue finish your point. I'm so sorry for interrupting. Well,
0: no, you're good. I just I think this was the prime time for him to take the job because someone who pe- people forget about is Matt Campbell at Iowa State. Um he's turned down a couple jobs that were like he was considered for LSU, considered for USC, uh, maybe he was going to Michigan if they fired Harbaugh before the playoff uh, appearance. And now he's literally struggling at Iowa State and who knows I don't, don't want to Kind of job, I don't want to
1: give away. I don't want to give away information for another company or another, you know, podcast group that's, you know, very big and making money on their Patreon. Um, I highly recommend subscribing to Split Zone Duo. I love their Patreon. If you're listening to us, you're a college football nut, which means you should definitely be listening to Split Zone Duo, the free show and their paid Patreon stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But I will give away this nugget. Stephen Godfrey, noted reporter um, on Split Zone Duo, revealed that it seems like. Matt Campbell isn't willing to play the modern NIL game. It no. seems to be the the phrase Godfrey used was he seems to be a goody two shoes, too good of a guy, too good of a person to kind of get his um, get his uh, sneakers dirty going mm. into the NIL situation. So that when you when you think of that, you know, and again, this is someone else is reporting. I'm not, you know, I'm just simply saying what someone else said. I don't know anything personally, but um, if you, if you believe that, and if you take that, uh, keep that in mind, it makes sense that he wasn't considered at Nebraska. It, or didn't take the Nebraska. It makes sense that Wisconsin didn't want to bring him in. It makes sense, obviously that he's still at Iowa state, despite the fact that he is a great coach, like football, the and knows you can't deny that. Um, So, so yeah, especially defensive coach. He's a, a fantastic defensive mind. So even, keep that he, in mind when you think of Matt Campbell.
0: Even pre, even with not factoring nil because nil was a thing like this past year, he had opportunity mm-hmm. and he missed. He, he missed them because he could have taken the job. at say I don't. I don't want to like associate with him a job that he wasn't in consideration for. But we'll go LSU for example. Um, say he
1: the caliber of an LSU. Yeah, job, that that type. Yeah.
0: He takes that job and then nil comes about. People are still going to want to go there, even if he's like he's going to succeed wherever he goes. Probably. It's just now he's kind of cornered himself. And so Luke, well, Fickle, I think I think Luke he would have yeah. been
1: able to get a better he would have been able to get a better quality player than he can right now at Iowa State mm-hmm. at a at a job like an LSU. But mm-hmm. he would have lost out on the important recruits to that LSU needs to compete for what they want to compete, which is SEC and national championships. He would have lost out to an Alabama and Auburn, the Mississippis, Florida, Georgia. He would have missed out on those top level players because those top, top level players will go and get, you know, or earn, earn their worth kind of situation. You know what I mean?
0: No, I totally get it. And I think Luke Fickle just he he cashed out at the right time. You know, when you have a parlay and you're like, mm, don't know if this last leg is going to hit, you cash out, get your money. And he did just that. And I think he landed at a great job. Um, someone else who landed at a great job was Hugh Freeze who's making a return back to the SEC. Um, Kind of an interesting, um, I don't know how to describe this, an interesting storyline associated with Freeze. Liberty was blown out in their last game against one of the worst teams in college football in one of the New Mexico schools. I don't remember which one it is. And the Liberty crowd was chanting, go to Auburn. Um, Auburn was obviously tied with Lane Kiffin, who – had this whole thing with this reporter who he's still tweeting at like every day, like sending new memes or like whatever. So Lane Kiffin's obviously worked up about it and
1: let him live live, lane. Like there's a, there's a fine line between I'm having fun on Twitter and I'm borderline harassing.
0: Yes. Who
1: let's, let's be a thousand percent clear. That reporter was not wrong. Mm -hmm. I don't know what happened between the, the, Couple days before the Egg Bowl, and when they uh, Auburn announced they hired Hugh Freeze on Saturday or Sunday, whenever it was, but whatever happened in those five six days, something happened that went from Lane is not taking the Auburn job to we have to go with Hugh Freeze. Like John Cohen saying Hugh Freeze is always the number one option on our on our list. Whatever, that's, that's a lie. Man did not want him. He wanted Lane Kiffin. So True. yes, that's something I let's stop harassing this reporter because he was right you're just mad that he got to it before everyone else yeah and now you're trying to save face with your team and trying to maintain a brand and blah 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 blah. so just had to yeah. defend that reporter by the no, way I, who I is a friend that reporter is a friend of a friend of mine so that's why I uh
0: yeah Lane kept go going at him ruthlessly um but back to Hugh Freeze I just Hugh Freeze had success at Ole Miss, and then he fizzled out. Um, There was issues with him calling prostitutes on school phones um, and recruiting violations. But now, I mean, the the prostitution stuff will never be okay. But the recruiting violations, for the most part, you can kind of dance around those with NIL now. Um, There's really no more recruiting violations unless you talk to people in the dead period. Um, there's always a way with NIL until they establish a rule, not recommending it, but Jimbo Fisher had the number one class in the country last year. Um, and NIL was obviously a very heavy influence of that. So I think Hugh Freeze will find some success at Auburn. Um, I do think it was interesting though. I don't know if you saw that tidbit in his contract that, that he doesn't get to control his social media accounts or something, which is very concerning. Um, I don't know why that's a thing, but maybe... Maybe they didn't want the hoopla that came with Lane Kiffin's social media. Maybe that's what it was that broke down the whole deal. Maybe that was a part of Lane's um, and he didn't want to do that. It could have been,
1: I don't I know. Not as but I think I think the Auburn legal department deserves a raise for getting that clause in that contract <laughs> because in yeah. freezes contract because that's that is going to save them so many headaches in the future. Um what do you what do you think about th- this hiring, Porba? Because yes, we have to keep in keep in mind all of those off the field things, and and you forgot last year when he was still the coach at Liberty when he DM'd a um a victim of sexual assault who said that the university did not handle that properly and that there was an uh, an athlete and that the athletic director and that, claiming that the athlete was the the person who sexually assaulted her and that the athletic director was a coward or whatever she was basically just exposing on twitter um and she called out the athletic director and hugh freeze slid in her dms and said you don't know this guy i forget the athletic director's name but you don't know him he's a good person blah 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 which my dude that is the most self-inflicted gunshot that is plaxico burris levels of self-inflicting a gunshot to yourself like she what are you, you doing don't insert like, yourself number one number one don't I don't know maybe here's a hot take let's believe women that are victims of sexual assault I know crazy idea
0: Not number too. two it could have been two, a two
1: he, he slid in you yeah what are you doing sliding in you clearly searched and you didn't, you didn't even search your name because she didn't mention you by name you searched the athletic director's name found this tweet dm this girl and expected everything to just be perfectly fine with it like what are you doing like so many things you mentioned the calling the process the the prostitutes on the school phone and i mean shout out i mean i i do owe hugh freeze a little bit of um of my happiness because without him the laramie Tunsil situation doesn't happen and without the laramie Tunsil situation the miami dolphins are not the number one team in the afc east right now so a little bit of me says thank you to that but uh definitely handled that incorrectly like you said, some of that stuff is going to be kind of rectified and a non-issue now because of NIL, because of transfer portal, all these different things. But let's not forget, Hugh Freeze had a team with, I think it was Elijah Moore and DK Metcalf. He did, yeah. And went five and seven. And so or whatever, however you say. Yeah, his last like. The man had talent knew how, knows how to bring in the talent but it's not like he's this revolutionary offensive mind that he was back in 2012 13 12 13 14 definitely one of the innovative minds in offensive minds in of college football but They're now you can you can yeah. find you can find diet like like a Walmart version of Hugh freeze if that's what you're looking for save a lot of money and then throw the money at other situations around your program throwing it in the NIL fund um, throwing it to assistant pools, uh, throwing it to facilities, doing all these other things that you need to do. Like it makes no sense. They they went after – it's like someone who is at a, a nicer restaurant, has never been there before, has heard that they need to order whatever plate, and so they get it regardless of the cost. But if they had actually just read the menu, there was something that they would have liked a lot more Um, and would have been half the price and then allowed them to continue to get some drinks and maybe some dessert. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. The logic is not there.
0: I'll defend one part of the hire. I don't defend his actions off the field. I'm not. Of course not. No, I know. But they did keep Cadillac Williams as the associate head coach. So the locker room is already won over. Auburn's probably not going to lose anyone because Cadillac Williams is there. He's going to have his influence. And I think... He'll be very helpful with Hugh Freeze. Um, Obviously, Hugh Freeze found success at Liberty, which up until he went there, honestly, I don't think many of us knew what a Liberty was. (laughs) Um, Like, I I don't think Liberty had been nationally relevant at all. And he had them top 25, Malik Willis, uh, NFL draft pick. And so I do think that he essentially... It's it's like when people go to Alabama as coordinators, and it's like the the Nick Saban rehab program for damaged coaches. He essentially went to a detox program elsewhere. Like he went to a detox program in Virginia, all male school or whatever it is. I don't think they have females. Um, they, uh, they have curfews. It's a, and-
1: it's, it's just a very, it's a very intense, um, Christian private school. Let's. I'm gonna leave it at that because I, curfews. I don't, I don't feel like. I'm not about to expose my, I mean, you can probably tell by the tone of my voice, my political affiliation and how I feel about that university, but But I'm I'm not doing that here right
0: now. We've been good there. And so I think Cadillac Williams will kind of guide him. Um, He kind of laid the foundation and Hugh Freeze really just has to come in there and coach the offense. I think he's going to be, he's a head coach. That's being paid as one of the best head coaches in the country, but he's really an offensive coordinator that just has to manage his section of the team. And I think, having Cadillac Williams really help counterbalance that. Um, But yeah, I do think the whole Auburn situation um, was rough, uh, to put it in layman's terms. I do think that if Hugh Freeze fizzles out and doesn't work, we're all going to look back at this hiring process of the Lane Kiffin debacle, the Hugh Freeze debacle, and be like, who knew? Like, We couldn't have guessed this was going to happen. And so I think from the standpoint right now, it looks like it's going to fail. But if he gets the players that, he was getting at Ole Miss and then even add more players because I don't know, NIL is a thing now. Um, he could, he could thrive there. I do think that he took Ole Miss to the program's heights that they had never reached before. They were at one point one of the top four teams in the country when the playoff was first out there it was them and Mississippi state. And so who knows Hugh freeze maybe could work. Um, there was one other coaching news or piece of news that really, has taken the nation by storm, Sergio, and it happened to be the team that I cover. And so I was there when it happened. Um, do you have time for a little story of this happening?
1: I always have story time with my good friend, Kevin Borba.
0: Okay, so Stanford, obviously struggling. Um, they have three wins, eight losses. They're playing BYU at senior night. Steve Young's in attendance. Um, didn't say hi to him. I was I, I chickened out. He was talking to people. and I didn't want to interrupt. Felt weird. Um, shout out Steve Young, though. Um, the games game ends at like 11 PM. Cause it starts at eight o'clock hashtag pack 12 after dark. Um, so it's 30 ish degrees. It's cold. Sanford's press conference room is in, I don't even really call it a room. One the wall that you walk in from or the side that you walk in from doesn't have a wall. It's just curtains. So there's three walls and a curtained wall. So we're all sitting in there. And I noticed because throughout the year, Stanford's obviously not having a good year. There's about six reporters each game. Um, There's me, a few other guys, and the student reporters. And this particular game, there was about 10 to 12, maybe 15 reporters that were like seven of them I had not seen before. Fishy.
1: Um, You got the like national guys to come in for the game because they felt something was was going to... Stuart Mandel was there?
0: Yeah, I was talking to him and I not even putting two and two together. And then after the fact, I was like, why was Stuart Mandel there to watch Stanford mm-hmm. lose their ninth game of the season made? Oh, sense. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's red flag. Number one, red flag. Number two, it usually takes the coach about 20 minutes to get out of the, the locker room because they have their, what they call a cool down period, which honestly are really smart. Um, I'm assuming they used to just interview college coaches Right after the game, when they are pissed, and so I imagine this cooldown period has saved a lot of fines and outbursts. So, twenty minutes. David Shaw is usually around that twenty to thirty minute range. Well, this man took well over an hour to get into the the conference room, and it's freezing, mind you. I'm literally chattering. I'm in a I'm in a jacket, long sleeve t-shirt. I'm cold. Everybody's just sitting there waiting. Like, what's happening? The murmurs are happening, and then we're starting to throw out coaching replacements because we knew
1: what was happening it it seemed like he was going to step down wow y'all were talking about my man's replacement before y'all were dancing on his grave before he even was down under we did that you you guys are the definition of the the meme of the guy showing up in the in the chat to show up to my haters funeral to make sure he was dead yeah you guys y'all talking about who was gonna replace him before he even resigned it was yeah it was oh, tough. That was that's rough.
0: It was tough, but you know what? The rumors were flying. Um, a lot of names were thrown out. Either way, comes in says he's stepping down as a coach. Gives a whole little speech. Excuse me about this how this was.
1: This was after the game, right? This wasn't the next day.
0: Right after the game,
1: yeah. So I feel like he. I feel like in that cool down period, he was telling the players he had to. Yeah, help.
0: he was. He was. He was consoling okay. the players. Said there was a lot of tears and emotions in the locker room, which I totally understand. Um, David Shaw's. Very nice guy. Um, I have upset him a couple times with questions, but I could tell he's a very nice guy, and the players the players ride for him. I upset him at, that day, um, honestly, because he had coached there for 12 years, never fired an assistant, and when your team is consistently raking in the hundreds in offense and defense, I was trying to hint at why he felt that there was improvements that could be made. Honestly, didn't even get to finish my question. He cut me off and was like, you're going to be that guy? Next question. Um, did he so really? Was, he did, yeah he had to like come.
1: you gotta like write him a letter or something and be like hey i just want you to know i got nothing against you i was just trying no. to do my job you gotta you, you gotta do. like make up with him like
0: i do yeah because i that okay. wasn't i wasn't trying to be a snake um uh, i was oh, just I know. I know you it was just curiosity and then i i, I redeemed mean, i
1: heart. i know you all right i'm i'm your close friend i know exactly yeah. what your intention was but i yeah. com- completely get why someone would be like really right now next question <laughs>
0: I mean, looking back after the fact, I was like, the question wasn't needed. Yes. But was it understandable why he shut me down? Also, yes. And so I'm not too mad at it. Um, I also asked him one word to describe his entire tenure, which he took two days to answer. He actually answered on Monday. He was like, I need to sleep on that. That's a good question. And so the word he gave me was magical. But all of this ranting for nothing. um, I just want to talk about the Stanford job. Um, It is currently viewed as the
1: most attractive job in the country um obviously by Kevin Borba by, by Kevin Borba that is Kevin Borba's opinion please I, do not co-sign me I, on that one just I want
0: to say sports put that out that's where I got Thank it you. from and then I looked at it and I was like okay okay that's true All I mean right. I, thought,
1: I have thoughts but
0: it's hard with NIL and the transfer portal but I don't think David Shaw and company were making the efforts that they needed to make um in terms of the transfer portal they took in their first transfer this past year from Oklahoma, a safety, and by the name of Patrick Fields, a really nice guy. Um, The only reason Patrick Fields actually transferred into Stanford was he applied to the graduate program, met David Shaw at like some dinner or something, and asked to try out for the team. He walked onto the team. So they, they literally made no efforts to bring in transfers. Like this guy did all the heavy lifting himself of getting into the school and then trying out for the team. And so the new coach obviously has a lot of work cut out for him. Um, This team was mostly juniors and seniors. I think the starting lineup, I think they had at least 18 seniors or grad students starting. So you're losing pretty much everyone. Um, And so names that are being thrown around, Sergio, I just want to run these by you, see what you think, because we know it's a difficult job uh, in terms of Transfer Portal NIL. Um, They are going to make efforts to use those more. So that's a bright side. There's always the academic requirements that are hovering over this program. They have a 4% acceptance rate for undergrad and 1% acceptance rate for grad school. So it's tough to get in. Um, Who knows what the future of the PAC 12 is. um, If we're being honest, we don't. (laughs) And so these are the names that I've been seeing. We got Chris Peterson, former Washington coach, which I think is the top candidate. Um, Does he want to coach college football again? I don't know though. That's the issue. He's a Fox sports analyst. Does he want to return? Um, he hasn't really dealt with NIL because he stopped coaching in 2019. Um, so there's him. Uh, Derek Mason, who I know you're familiar with, from Vanderbilt. He has Stanford ties. He was a former defensive coordinator before taking the Vanderbilt job. Not a big fan of that one. He had no success at Vanderbilt. And before anyone tells me how hard it is to win at Vanderbilt, James Franklin won nine games twice. Um and Derek Mason inherited one of those nine-win teams and won like three games. So don't give me that. Um, that argument is void. And then Bill O'Brien, and Dave Aranda, and then um, Greg Roman from the Ravens. Those are some of the interesting names.
1: Um. Okay, I'm a, I'm gonna go out of order. Go ahead. Um, Dave Aranda
0: is a California guy. Doesn't like um, the big big marketplaces. Um, we saw that last correct. year when he
1: turned on LSU and USC. Correct. Now the question is: Is he so? And this is a question we kind of briefly talked about this before we recorded. But I just want to on on the pod ask you and get clarity on this. Mm-hmm. Stanford has had a reputation for not playing in, in in the NIL game, not playing the transfer portal game. And if they're going to do that, then they're going to get left behind. I don't think you can consider this to be the most attractive open job if there are questions about two very integral parts of the new college football landscape. So that's why I kind of shuddered on the best college open job. Mm. Um, I would much rather have a Cincinnati than a Stanford right now. If I was a young coach trying to make a name for myself. Fair. I think this is going to be a specific type of person that takes this job, right? I think this is a person that's going to be okay with, the academic restrictions that are going on or has experience with the academic restrictions. um, This person is going to have to really, really make the most of like really coach. Like it's gotta be a ball coach because you can't go out and get, you know, some guys, yes, they're going to start with the NIL marketplace now. Yes. They're going to start maybe experimenting and taking some transfers, but for the most part, I don't know if that's a quick fix. Yep. With that being said, I think Dave Aranda would be a possibility. I don't think he would leave because of those NIL and transfer portal concerns. Uh, he's a California guy, so I know he would want to go back to California. And Stanford, I think, would be a good fit for him. Um, but I just don't know. I don't think it'll happen. I don't think he yeah. leaves Baylor right now. Yeah. Um, Bill O'Brien, I don't think would take that. He's in the Sabin School of Rehabilitation, the Sabin School for Wayward Boys, and I think he's going to be looking for he's going to be looking for a more traditional powerhouse type job. Um, I Or think, at the very least, a job that doesn't have the restrictions that Stanford has. Right.
0: Bill O'Brien, people forget how good of a coach
1: he is. Um, thank he, you. Thank you. I, I think was, his, his tenure as a general manager for the Texans really tarnishes his coaching legacy, which part, is completely different.
0: The general manager part is the key part. He was a terrible general manager, ter- traded away like a executive. Right away Horrible
1: executive. Time.
0: And like every pick this is but, my
1: this is where I, I obligate. I make my obligatory thank you so much, Bill O'Brien, for the Laramie Tunsil trade because
0: Exactly. You think thank
1: two you. people so far
0: for the Laramie <laughs> Tunsil. Um but yeah, he and,
1: he and and none of them are Laramie Tunsil.
0: Yeah, he took the Texans to the playoffs, I think, three times. Um he resurrected Penn State after the Sandusky scandal. I think people just think of his time as a GM. He's a really good coach. Like stop associating the two. Um
1: you just and, can't and again, escape. college college coaching and your career in the NFL two completely different things. I yep. know of a certain greatest football co- college football coach of all time who did not do well in the NFL and has been doing just fine at Alabama. Honestly, so, no
0: no college coach in my lifetime has done one, well in the NFL.
1: Like none. Um, uh, Pete really, Carroll. Pete Carroll.
0: Harbaugh, Harbaugh and Carroll were the only two. And Harbaugh, Harbaugh and
1: Carroll. But getting... they also they also had NFL experience before they went to college. Exactly. So they so, it, different different situation. Yeah. But so with those two, that's Bill O'Brien, Dave Aranda. Talked about those guys. Um, David Shaw. I'm sorry, I just said David Shaw. He won't get the. Uh, um, he won't get the job. Him. No, he won't. Side note:
0: Someone did ask him if he would pull Bill Walsh and come back and coach in the future. I was. I rolled my eyes. Ter- terrible question. Okay. Is he? Did he say he's retiring or he's just resigning? No, no, this is not a retirement. He's just stepping okay, away at so, this moment.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I think. I think Peterson, Peterson would be a home run. Oh
0: yeah,
1: if he wants to come back, if he wants to come back, Peterson would be a home run. Yeah. Um, and then the other name you mentioned, Derek Mason was Derek Mason, Vanderbilt legend. I think I think (laughs) Derek Mason would know how to operate in that system. At a school like Stanford, I think he would have more success than he had at Vanderbilt because it's an easier conference. And uh, I think it would be a good hire for the most part.
0: profile school too. Vanderbilt has the academic stuff yes. and the low profile football program. Um, and then there's right. a couple of names that I personally threw out that I want to run by you. Um, I did, honestly, despite you, I threw out Deion Sanders in my first coaching candidate article just because I wanted you to see it. <laughs> uh, no, realistically, I thought, I mean, if he's considering Colorado, who knows? Maybe, maybe give him a call. Worst thing he could do is say no. Um, But realistically, I think the hottest name in college football right now, Garrett Riley, brother of Lincoln Riley, TCU offensive coordinator, young guy. Um, I think he'd be kind of cool, which is what you need at Stanford to recruit. Um, You have a young, cool coach who loves to throw the ball around and be dynamic offensively. I think that'd be a great addition. And then a man by the name of Thomas Herman.
1: Okay, so the Riley. I don't know if Riley is going to take a job like Stanford. I think he's on a track kind of like his brother, where he's going to have one of the more powerhouse jobs one day in college football. Sure. So I don't think he'll, I don't think he's an option. But I do like um, that other option you just threw out there. um, Thomas Thomas Herman. I like (laughs) Tom Herman. I think, I think Herman, honestly, I think Herman is a, is, would be so good with the Cincinnati job. Like, I, I think, he he should take that job, or I think that would be better. Um, but if from Stanford's perspective, if they can get Herman, I would do it. He's a California guy too. I I, I would hire him in a heartbeat if I wasn't as I was at Stanford. Yeah, I, think- I just don't know if he'll. I don't know if he'll be receptive to taking that job when something like a Cincinnati's open. Um, yep. But but yeah, definitely understandable.
0: I mean, a lot of options. The the athletic director, which I don't know if I believe him. Well, I don't wanna say I don't believe him, but he said a lot of people were interested in the job. I feel like you have to say that, right? I don't know. You don't want to be like, no one's
1: interested. I mean, yeah, you definitely have to say it. But I I also do think that there is truth to that statement. This isn't, you know, the North Texas job where he's like, we have everybody lining up like, no, it's a good job. And there's a lot of people lining up. But I mean, you're not going to pull James Franklin. You know what I mean? Like, I do think that Stanford could could get a surprise like, wow, they pulled that coach situation going um, because of the reputation, because of. Because of the legacy.
0: Honestly, yeah. the one coach. And, and
1: the program is that way, credit to David Shaw and then in part to John, to Harbaugh.
0: Just yeah. saying. And Shaw led them to winning as coach of all time. Um had four 11 win seasons first five years. Um great coach, hard guy to follow. Um, I also feel like it's gonna be hard to nail a head coach for the third time in a row. Not sure if there's many programs that have gone three coaches in a row that were all just like home run hires. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where they go. Um, I just, I swear if they hire someone who has Stanford ties, just because they have Stanford ties, like there's the rice coaches getting consideration, his best season at rice is five and seven. I don't care how hard it is to win at rice. Like you don't get to fail up. That's a terrible Derek Mason failing up his defense ranks 114th in the nation. Do not hire him. Like do not. Um, moving on, we have the cultural ball playoff, and this will be our last topic before we let you go. Sergio We have Georgia, Michigan, TCU, USC, Ohio State, and Bama as the top six teams. Any surprises? Do you think that TCU can make the playoff with a loss in the conference championship? And who do you think should be that next team in?
1: Did you say, what was five and six again?
0: Five and six is Ohio State and Alabama.
1: In In that that order, right? Yes. Okay. Um, I... I think it's fine for the heading into conference championship week. I think it's telling us exactly what the committee's thinking. This is my most, this is always the playoff ranking that I'm most intrigued about going into the season because it tells you where, what the committee is thinking heading into the last stretch of games Yeah. Uh, to answer your question. No, I think in order for TCU to make it, they need to win their conference. I think they need to beat Kansas state this Saturday, but I do think that they improved their, chances of making it a lot this past week because that iowa state defense um if you factor in the 60 something points that they scored and tcu scored on them they are still averaging only 20 points per game which is an absurd number in college football um so not only did they put up 60 something points they did it against one of the better defensive units in college football so great right. thing for their resume great thing for the tape um, I, I think they need to win. I think they need to win the Big Twelve to, to make the playoff, and I, I expect them to. I would love. I want to see the Hypnotoads in the um, in the college football playoff. Now, in yes. terms of what that what the next two teams tell us about that, it just I think it just tells us that they really do value those two teams. I, I think this is the epitome of program bias. I think this is the epitome of um, ESPN wanting to make the best television product. But then again, I really can't fault them for that because I don't see the teams behind them that I would truly put over an Ohio state or an Alabama. You know what I mean? They, they are the fifth and sixth best team in the country. I do think it's notable that Tennessee is behind them, even though they have the same amount of losses uh, behind Alabama. I should say, I would put Tennessee in front of Alabama simply because of the the head to head situation. Um, But I also get that they're evaluating Tennessee um, with what's the backup quarterback's name? Joe Milton. With Joe Milton and not Hendon Hooker. So I, I get that it's a different team. I understand that. Um, Yeah, I'm just interested to see what happens. I hope that the four, with LSU losing to Jimbo Fisher last week, we really don't have any conference championship game with playoff playoff implications if there's an upset. You know what I mean? I think Georgia's still making the playoff, even if they get upset by LSU. I think um, TCU wins if they're in. If they don't win, then I it's going to be one of Ohio State or Alabama. And given what their ranking is, they'll probably put Ohio State in there. Um, so yeah, I, I'm just, I hope the top four seeds win. Um, I hope really it, it is a, um, Georgia, Michigan, um, SC. who's three, right? Uh, I think TC- it's Georgia, Michigan, TCU, USC. I, I hope they win. And then that way we don't have to really have much of a discussion about it. Um, they won their conferences, yeah. the four teams, um, three of the four teams went undefeated. One of them only had one loss but they will have avenged that loss because they play Utah, which is the only team that beat them.
0: And they lost by one It was a respectable loss. And they lost by one point
1: and on the road and a whole lot of factors there. So I I would like to see those four teams win just so that we can have like a, we don't have to deal with the headache of the playoff controversy and stuff. I would love to have a 12 team playoff. And then that way we can have much more exciting games in the first round, but in December, but alas, that's not what we're going to get. So yeah, that's, uh, that's how I feel.
0: This USC team might be the best fourth seed we've had. Um, offensively,
1: at least. I think Caleb ooh, Williams... No, 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 no. No? No.
0: Who are you no. giving the, the edge
1: to? The Oklahoma team with Baker Mayfield mm-hmm. and CeeDee Lamb that went up in the Rose Bowl against Georgia. That team offensively, ooh, if if that, that offense was so good, if that defense was even in the 50s or 60s, they would have won the national championship. But they yeah. were in the hundreds. They were god-awful
0: or Lincoln did so. and Squib Kick in the fourth quarter whatever that was.
1: Oh, I forgot about that. I did forget <laughs> yeah. about
0: that. Um but no, I honestly wasn't mad at the playoff order. Um I think they have the rankings right. Um I am a little worried that TCU is going to lose. Kansas State had them on the ropes the first time. Um and so this would be devastating for the Hypnotoads. Um to fall um it is a purple on purple matchup. Sh- that's rare. We never get purple on purple. Um But oddly enough, the Big 12 is the only uh, conference championship between top 10 teams. Little nugget there. Um, I think it's pretty straightforward. Everybody wins. They're in. Um, If you if TCU loses, I think there's a a world where they might fall to four. I don't know. It depends what happens with USC. Uh, I think out of all these teams, USC has the best chance of losing. Um, What do you think? Top four teams. Which which conference champion team has the best chance of losing?
1: I think it's definitely TCU because, like you said, Kansas State is a good football team. I cannot believe we are living in a world where we're saying, "Yeah, Adrian Martinez might be the one to knock them out of the playoff," but here we are. That's, here we that's are. That's the reality of the situation. Yeah, I think they have the best chance. Um, I think if you had me rank the four of the top four seeds, which one I'm most confident in and which one I'm least confident in. I yeah. would go Michigan one, hands down, most confident. Uh, <laughs> Georgia, they, they, come they, on.
0: They, they get a cupcake in Purdue. <laughs> they, do,
1: they really do. Uh, Georgia, I would put it two. Okay, and then I would probably put USC over Utah, and then I would put uh, TCU over Kansas State. Again, I do, I do feel strongly about all four of these teams winning. Yeah, but I will say that um, that is the order of how confident and comfortable I am with with declaring wins. So yeah,
0: I'm least confident in USC just because Utah is like a team that is way better than the record indicates, even though they only have three losses. And so, um, it's going to be a fascinating, uh, next weekend of college football. Uh, the World Cup's going on. Shout out Christian Pulisic's groin. Um, man sacrificed it for America. Um, but yeah great weekend of football and football coming up. This has been the Tailgears Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Borba, and joining me as always is Sir right and we thank you guys for listening. Uh, make sure to like, subscribe, rate us five stars, share this podcast, do whatever you gotta do to get it to as many people as you can. We appreciate you, and we will see you guys next week.